our responsibility is to focus on the registered training organisations that are entitled to deliver nationally recognised qualifications. And if we don't maintain that reputation, then that market is at risk. It's an important export earning market for Australia. Hello and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. During this podcast series, we'll be talking about the key issues facing tertiary education with some of the leading experts in the sector. The theme in this episode is regulation an area that's fundamental to the success and sustainability of the tertiary education system. The voice you heard at the start was Mark Patterson AO. Mark is the Chief Commissioner and Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Skills Quality Authority, which is the national regulator for Australia's vocational education and training sector. In this episode, I talked with Mark in Sydney in December 2018 about the current state and future outlook for regulation in tertiary education. Here's the interview. Mark, welcome and thank you for coming in. Morning, Stephen, and you're welcome. Mark, perhaps for the benefit of our listeners, an overview of what ASQA's role and function is. ASQA was created in 2011 by a referral of powers from the majority of states and territories to the Commonwealth to regulate registered training organisations. So that is those bodies that are authorised by law to issue nationally recognised qualifications in the vocational education and training sector. So that's TAFE, the public kind of vocational education and training, and also private bodies, RTOs. Yes, we regulate close to 4,000 registered training organisations now, both public and private. The two non-referring states were with Victoria and Western Australia, but in Victoria we regulate about 90% of all registered training organisations operating in that state, including all of their TAFEs, and in Western Australia we regulate close to 50% of all registered training organisations, but only regulate their international TAFE, not the domestically focused TAFEs in Western Australia. So, The arrangement is such that in the non-referring states, we regulate all of those who operate across state borders and all of those who offer services to international students. So the ones that remain regulated in Victoria are essentially a domestically focused community-based set of registered training organisations. And in Western Australia, distance means there are more that just focus on Western Australia. There's a distinctive Australian feel to this explanation as to who regulates what. Um, Could it be simplified? Oh, look, of course it could, but that's a matter for individual state governments to decide on the referral of powers. The reality is that there's close collaboration between us and the two Mm state-based regulators. We meet on a quarterly basis. We are in contact on a regular basis outside of those formal meetings. And there is a large level of cooperation Mm -hmm. in terms of how we regulate and where we're heading. Okay. Now, I will be focusing largely on the future, but it's impossible to ignore some of the past, including the recent past in the vocational education and training sector. I think it's fair to say that different parts of the sector have been through the wars, either of their own making or of other people's making. Tell the listeners just the brief story of TAFE to, of VET to date. Well, it was opened up about 20-plus years ago to private players in the structured vocational education and training market, It's progressively increased the number of registered training organisations that compete in that marketplace. 
The vast bulk of vocational education and training provided in Australia is provided at the cost of employers or individual students. There is a perception that it's dominantly funded by governments. That's not the case. TAFEs used to control the market for structured vocational Uh training. That market 20 plus years ago provided very little support to the services sector. The services sector now represents more than 80% of industry value add. So having a sector that is now more responsive to the needs of employers and a sector that is industry-led so that industries involved in establishing the standards for training, establishing the outcomes that are expected from that training, and then they're the dominant funders of it. And is there a reason why the services sector is being serviced more by private RTOs? Is it because there's less need for capital equipment and sort of higher investment? Oh, look, I think both the public and private sector are servicing the needs across the board. So Mm -hmm. it's not only serviced by the public sector or only serviced by the private sector. Both sectors provide support to the marketplace as a whole. Not everybody provides across the marketplace Obviously, larger TAFE networks are more likely to offer a broad range of qualifications in the marketplace. But I think there's a recognition that progressively over the last two decades, the services sector has become more important Mm. and the market's been responsive to that. Well, how would you sum up the current state of the vocational sector? It's obviously a work in progress, possibly as all sectors are, but given the recent past, what would your summation be now? Well, I think that When people talk of the recent past, they talk most frequently of a program called Vet Fee Help, which was a poorly designed loans program, which a number of people took advantage of, to say the very least. And very large numbers of people who were not well qualified to be able to undertake programs in vocational education and training were signed up and ended up with income contingent loans and no qualifications. That clearly had a negative impact on the reputation of the vocational education and training sector. It was a very small component. As I said, we regulate pretty close to 4,000 registered training organisations. There were only 186 186 registered training organisations who were authorised under the Vet Fee Help Program, a program that we did not administer. Is that right? And of that, maybe 30, 35 were highly problematic providers. So it needs to be kept in proportion. It's real. It was a very large amount of public funding. And I think that there is still developments to occur for the Commonwealth to be able to realise the extent to which those income contingent loans may get repaid or not. But it has had a profound effect on the reputation of the vet sector, which I think by any measure is not perfect, but is world class. That's great to hear. You're in the middle of a regulatory strategy, I think a three-year strategy. What are your current issues of focus or priority? A primary area of focus, and it has been the case that we've been looking at this over the last 12 months, we expect to report in the middle of 2019 on our most recent strategic review, which is looking at the international sector. That is both students coming to Australia to study on student visas the delivery of Australian vocational qualifications offshore, both by providers who are actively participating offshore and increasingly by providers who are resident in Australia, who don't leave Australia, to students that are resident overseas and never come to Australia. And each of those elements of that international marketplace presents some challenges and some risks. 
Could we develop the international aspect, the offshore aspect of international provision a bit more? I read Peter Varghese's strategy on India and the prospect of there being millions of people in need of vocational training and the opportunities that there might be for Australian providers. But it would have to be, I think he said, in distance education or in some kind of flexible mode. Are you thinking about some of the regulatory issues if we were to be successful in that market? Certainly Presenting and delivering in offshore markets increases the level of difficulty for us as a regulator, no doubt about it. If we look at our international market across the board, delivery offshore, the predominant market is China. Students coming to Australia to study on student visas, the predominant market is India. And more broadly now, the areas of the subcontinent. So there are differently Uh segmented markets, and I don't think that's well understood. I think that the majority market for offshore students in the higher education sector tends to be China. But there is a very real difference between the higher education sector and the vocational education sector in terms of the predominance of the markets. And are you optimistic that this is a market for Australia that will continue to grow? I think so. We have to maintain the reputation and to do that, we have to maintain quality. Our responsibility is to focus on the registered training organisations that are entitled to deliver nationally recognised qualifications. And if we don't maintain that reputation, then that market is at risk. It's an important export earning market for Australia. And obviously a fundamental part of quality is the quality of the trainers, the people providing the vocational education. As I understand it, trainers now need a certificate for in training and assessment. Are you expecting any changes or development in that area? There have been developments over time and Uh it's an important area of focus. If we are to maintain quality, then the quality of the delivery of the training and the quality of the assessment are essential to that. And if we look at our past regulatory activity, the majority of people who have had the right to issue these qualifications denied, that is where we've cancelled their registration, have fallen down on the basis of inadequate delivery of training, inadequately qualified trainers or poor assessment. The training package that underpins the development of that certificate for is outside our remit. We have to assess against the standards that are established by that training package and it is the subject of ongoing review. When the new qualification was introduced, it was not deemed to be equivalent to a previous qualification, which meant that every training provider who sought to have the training and assessment qualification on their scope had to apply and had to be considered by us. That was both public providers and private providers. All who sought to have it on scope had to go through a process of examination by us and not all were successful. In fact, some who sought to have the new qualification on scope, who'd had the previous one on scope, were found to be non-compliant and were denied the new qualification on scope and had the former qualification taken from their scope. Can we look then further into the future? There's much speculation, and I guess I contribute to it, about the future world of work, what's going to be needed from tertiary education and the schooling system, it should be said, the new mixes of knowledge and skills, the lists of 21st century skills that I keep reading. In fact, I can't go to a conference without seeing a list of the skills that people are said to need in the future. And I probably do come from the background that we need to rethink tertiary education as a sector so that we can mix knowledge and skills differently. But we've got two regulatory bodies. Higher education is essentially regulated by TAXA, the Tertiary Education Quality and Standards Agency, but vocational by you. What are your thoughts on this whole debate of knowledge and skills and the sector which delivers it? 
Yes, there are two regulatory authorities and there is a degree of overlap. There's a high level of collaboration mm. and cooperation between us. But there are some very real differences between mm. the sector. The vocational education and training sector that's developed over the last two decades is competency-based, with the standards being developed and identified by industry and the assessment, therefore, being competency-based in relation to the training. The higher education sector is largely self-accrediting, has some interaction with industry, but you would not say that the higher education sector is by any means industry-led. And I think that the two regulatory regimes reflect the differences between the sector in terms of what need is it meeting? And you need fit-for-purpose regulation. We should have the least impactful regulation that is required to meet the standards that are expected by the community. I, for one, am not one that thinks that there's any urgency in relation to trying to bring the two regulatory authorities together. I think whilst the sectors remain as starkly different mm -hmm. in their nature and in the mode of delivery and assessment, I think that there will be an ongoing need for two regulatory bodies to make the proper assessment to meet the needs of the sector that they're regulating. Thank you, Mark. That's been fascinating. One final question. You've mentioned that you have a strategic review underway, and I guess you can't give us a sneak preview as to what the outcomes of that review will be. But in broad terms, what do you think the next stage of development for ASQA might be? Oh, look, I think that a focus on quality, a focus on being able to both identify quality and to support it was the centrepiece of a review undertaken by Professor Valerie Braithwaite from ANU last year on behalf of the government. She's made some recommendations which encourage collaboration mm -hmm. and we've been working towards that over time. We're a minimum standards regulator. So people are required to meet threshold minimum standards and that's the basis upon which we can make our regulatory judgments. We can't regulate for quality, but we can support quality mm. and we will continue to work with the industry in how standards might be developed for another level of recognition. But I don't think that that will automatically flow to us as the regulator because I think that we're likely in the near term for certain to continue to be a minimum standards regulator. But we will work with the sector to identify and support quality. We will work with the sector to continue to ensure that those who enter the marketplace have both the capacity and the commitment to high quality vocational training. We've made a number of changes over recent years in our regulatory approach. We've moved from an application-based regulator mm -hmm. to a risk-based regulator. That is to focus on those who present either the greatest provider or systemic risk to the sector. Not surprisingly, if you focus your regulatory attention on those that present the greatest risk, you're more likely to find non-compliance than if you just bleed it out across all of the providers, good and bad. We've also focused away from technical compliance into following the student journey, looking at what's done in terms of recruitment of students. How are they enrolled? How are they assessed in terms of their capacity to undertake the program? How's the program designed to meet their needs? What's the quality of the training delivered, the nature of the assessment and the extent to which people complete the qualifications? That gives us a much better picture on the behaviour and performance of a registered training organisation than just looking at pulling the procedures manual off the bookshelf when they're subject to an audit and putting it straight back on the bookshelf after the auditor leaves. Looking at the student journey enables us, whilst still regulating registered training organisations, to look at the quality of the outcomes of that training for students. Well, Mark, you've got an interesting, challenging and important role. Thank you for coming in and sharing your insights with us. Very happy to, Stephen. 
Well, that was my conversation with Mark Patterson, a man who's got a difficult job in a challenging and changing part of our education system. Do send us your feedback, subscribe and rate us wherever you find your podcasts. You can also get in touch by email, talkingtertiary at kpmg.com.au or on Twitter, I'm at Stephen Parker ED. And you can also find out more about our thinking on the education sector at kpmg.com slash au slash education future. Thanks for listening and speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary.